Good morning. My name is Tiffany Farsad and Schlatter, and this is Jason Schlatter. Good morning. Today's reading is from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray in the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance to his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but in the one that is to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed them to be head over everything for the church, which is his body and fullness of him who fills everything and everywhere. Good morning, church. Good to be together with you again. Before we go into this sermon and look at God's word, I invite you to pray with me, recognizing that the work of the word is enlivened only through the Holy Spirit. So let's pray together and invite him to do the work he intends to do. Lord, we thank you for this day, for the gift of your word, the gift of your spirit, the gift of your community. May you do now, spirit, what only you can do to take words that are spoken and impress them on hearts, that you would make your word alive to each one of us this day. And we thank you in advance for doing that. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm wondering, have any of you ever felt that you had limited resources, that you kind of have come to the end of yourself, only to find out that you had a lot more available to you than you ever realized? I was reading recently about the amount of unclaimed resources, money and property, that is being held in states across our country. The Department of Revenue in the state of Washington says that one in seven of Washington residents have unclaimed cash or items that are being held by the state. And most of it's from old bank accounts, stock options. These resources are part of a person's assets but they're either unaware or uninterested in pursuing a claim on them, things that were rightfully theirs. There's actually a position within the Department of Revenue, a person whose sole job is to inform people when they about their rightful property. The man's name, and he's called a state locator, is Frank Marshall. And he's been reuniting people with their property, with their possessions, for over 18 years. And I read this quote from him that I found interesting. He said, I think I'm really blessed to do the work I do. He said that owners are usually surprised, always grateful for his call. He says to them, this belongs to you. I'm just doing my job. That picture reminded me of our text for today of something that belongs to us. And sometimes we need a locator to help us remember that. To remember that we, the church, have access to abundant resources that are rightfully ours, not because of anything we've done, but because of Christ. Unlike those contacted by the 
Frank at the Department of Revenue, we are sometimes unaware, unmotivated to actually access the resources that are ours in Christ. And some of it, I wonder, is because we have a bit of a scarcity mindset, a tendency to focus on what we lack, what we lack, what we don't have. The church always the church and individuals, we don't always grasp the abundant resources we have in Christ. Christ, I think especially in this time of disruption in our culture, with very real losses in our lives, losses in our social lives, our, the school rhythms that we expected, our incomes, our job security, we can get stuck in a scarcity mindset and think of what we don't have, what's lacking, even in our spiritual lives. And we often lack the insight to know what God has already provided for us. How do we get that spiritual insight? Well, today's text is going to help us move in that direction. It's both a reality check for what is ours in Christ, and it offers a spiritual practice that might lead us into the fullness of what God has already provided for us. You heard the text read this morning. It's really a prayer for a group of churches who maybe had lost track of this um, sense of abundance that we also do, and they needed a new perspective. Just a reminder, we're in this series for the month of August in um, called We the Church. We're reviewing the grand and glorious position and power and identity we have as the Church of Jesus Christ. These first three chapters of Ephesians, which might seem just like theology, sometimes people think, oh, this is dry doctrine. No, this is the rich soil we need for understanding who we are as a church, to live into the fullness of who we are. And the writer of this book, last week, as we said, it may have been Paul or more likely one of his followers who was writing in his name. He wants the church to see the grandness of this call. Last week, I uh, thought with you that perhaps it was could be looked at like a poem, a grand poem that unpacks the ideas of the church. And today we get to a part where we get, we've looked at Paul's prayer life as a church planter. You know, he'd spent a great deal of time in Ephesus establishing this church, being with him for over three years, praying, teaching, leading, establishing a church. And now he was distant from them, probably um, in a Roman prison. And so he writes this letter to remember, to remind this church to remain strong. So we're going to take a look at this this morning in two basic ways. His earnest prayer for this church. First of all, his prayer that they would know God more deeply, more fully, and then that they would know what God has provided for them. This is his hope expressed in his prayer for the church. So if you have your Bible or want to look at it again, we're in Ephesians chapter 1. We begin at verse 15 and go through verse 23. So the prayer begins with thanksgiving, a deep sense of gratitude. Paul recalls the faith, the love for the fellow believers that's been evidenced in this church. He has a continual heart for these people. And when their names and faces come to mind, which is actually something that happens to me as I 
preach this way, your names and faces come to mind. He expresses deep gratitude for this church, for what he has seen of them. He can't stop giving thanks. I think about the way um, a parent or an aunt or an uncle might think about a beloved child. When we when they come to mind, we have these these deep this deep gratitude, this swelling of thankfulness for who they are and what they've done. And yet, as in this prayer, we're moved to pray. We're moved to keep asking for more, for increased things in their lives. This is what Paul does as we peek in on this prayer of his for his church those that he had uh, been been with for so long. So what does Paul keep asking? It says this in verse 17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I'm going to stop right there. This is a prayer for illumination, to become aware of things that they might not have recognized before, things that need to be revealed and repeated to them. But it's interesting to me that when he prays for a spirit of wisdom and revelation, he is praying that they would know God better. Sometimes when I think of praying for wisdom and revelation, I'm asking for a greater strategy, um, insights for a mission for the church or how we might move forward financially. But Paul says, I keep asking God, this is my ultimate request, that you would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know God more fully, to know who he is, what he has for you, and how he loves you. You know, the greatest impact of a church isn't because of the intelligence or charisma of its pastors, the strategic plan of its leadership team, or even the creative acumen of its members. It's not monetary resources, volunteer resources that make us strong as a church. Strength and power for our life as a church comes as we grow to know God more fully. So this is a fitting prayer that we would grow to know him more deeply, that we would experience and enjoy and walk with the God who knows us. Now this church planter's prayer moves onto a new request. And he says, I also pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Paul is praying that there be a new illumination, a new awareness of what God had already provided for these believers. And there are three areas of provision, of abundance that God invites us to look at as Paul prays this prayer today. We'll look at them as well. That is a prayer for abundant hope, a prayer for abundant value, and a prayer for abundant power. You know, we the church also face opportunities, challenges before us, And we need to be enlightened to see the abundance that God has already provided for us. It's there for us. We just need to, like Frank, have the call and make sure we've located it. Because we, the church, have access to abundant resources in Christ. 
So first of all, abundant hope. This is how Paul says it in this phrase. By the way, that term, the eyes of our heart, it's kind of a two metaphors coming together, sight and heart. But Paul is really putting those together in a way that helps us to think, I want you to see something at the deepest core of who you are, your heart. I want light to come into that place so that you would be made aware, you would be illumined, you would be enlightened about what is yours in Christ. And the first thing is this abundant hope. This is a hope about our future with God. He says, the abundant hope to which he has called you. God has called us to hope, and he has secured our hope for the future. You know, in the time of the Ephesians, the people that had first heard this letter, they were often anxious about cosmic forces or other gods that might impact and influence their life. And Paul is pointing to them, to the hope that God had called them to. It wasn't about fate. It wasn't that their lives were um, just the inconsequential or that fate would determine what was happening to them. No, they had a certain hope. And we too have been called to this abundant hope based on the eternal plan of God, which we talked about last week and verified in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is our hope. We can have abundance of hope, not just in the future, but day by day hope. Because God has done everything to secure our future, to secure your life today. Jesus Christ is the victor over all things, over any other power, over any other influence. And so we live in abundant hope. Then he moves on to say, I want your, uh, the eyes of your heart to be aware, to be enlightened about, of the glorious, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. This is a view of the abundant value we are to God. He wanted them to know that they were part of God's family and that gave them value. You know, it isn't so much in this passage, at least, that God has an inheritance for us. Instead, it is that we are his inheritance. God's people are his prized possession. He's always intended to lavish his love, his goodness, his fullness into our lives. We are his inheritance. You know, my husband and I recently updated our will, and it was a sobering but joyful process as we were able to extend the resources that we'd been entrusted with to bless other people, to bless other um, entities. It was a gift to us to consider the inheritance that we've been blessed in. Well, God has set his plans and his blessing on us, the church. You and I, all of those who are part of the followers of Jesus, we are God's inheritance. He values us so much that he set his gaze upon us. And the glorious riches of his inheritance, you and I, we can celebrate that. We have abundant value because of what Christ has done for us. I I pray that that might be settled deep in our hearts, that we might recognize the value we have before God as a church, as individuals, as families, 
You are God's inheritance, and he values you enough to die for you. This is good news. So we have abundant hope, abundant value, and then abundant power. Paul says it this way, starting in verse uh, 19. He prays that we would be able to see his incomparably great power for us who believe. It seems when Paul gets to this part of the prayer, his, his mind just expands to the power of God and what is included there. In fact, in this short passage from 19 through 23, he uses almost every Greek word that could be used to describe power in different ways. Mighty work, mighty strength, what God exerted over and over these phrases that it's like he can't get enough language to describe the power of God that is available to us in Jesus Christ. We have access to this incomparably great power, more than political power, economic power, social power, relational power. This is the power that is described later in this pers- in these verses. He says, this power is like, what's it like? What is this power like? The power that we have access to, it's like the working of God. When he raised Jesus from the dead and exalted him and seated him at the highest places. This is the kind of power we're talking about. Christ as victor, God who's done all of this to make it possible. This is the power we're invited to access God's power for us, his church. You know, we tend to live our Christian lives, and I know I am as guilty of this as anyone. We tend to live our Christian lives in our own power, through our own limited resources. I can make this happen. I can do better on this. I will take a look at this and move forward. We forget the power that's available to us in God. That's the scarcity mindset. Looking at And and when we look at ourselves, we realize we're limited, that our resources have come to an end. And so we struggle with this tendency to exert our own efforts, to think we're going to live the Christian life. When God says, I have available to you all the power you need, all the power you need to live a life fully in me. I wonder if it's a vestige of our culture that has this rugged individualism, this self-reliance that says, I can do it, I can make it happen. That is not what God is calling us to. Or maybe on the other hand, it's this um, a victim mentality that says, I can't change. Nothing's ever going to change about me. I've just been dealt a bad lot in life and here I go. Whatever the extreme is in that, from self-reliance to self-degradation, God says, I have power available for you, my power, abundant power, incredibly, incomparably great power, as Paul says it. We saw this last week in the first part of Ephesians, verse 3, where God says, all of the spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms in Christ are available to us now, and God's power is one of them. You and I have been given resources that are are abundant, abundant hope, abundant value, 
and abundant power. I think of this picture as um, one of the expositories of ancient days. He was a Scottish theologian and teacher. And his example of this, I think, is wonderful. His name was Alexander McLaren. And this is what he wrote. Picture this with me. We have, we may have as much of God as we will. Christ put the keys of the treasure chamber into our hand and bids us take all we want. If a man or woman is admitted into the bullion vault of a bank and told to help themselves and comes out with one cent, whose fault is it that he is poor? We have been given access to the treasure chamber of God himself. Abundant hope, abundant value, abundant power. And yet too many times we walk in when God says, take all you want. This is abundantly available to you. And we walk in and we grab one cent. And then we walk out feeling like we don't have enough. Paul in this prayer is praying that our eyes, our awareness, our the availability of what God has for us would be made real to us. That we would know what he has already provided for us in Jesus Christ. So what is the call for us today? When we consider these truths, when we think about the scarcity mindset that can trip all of us up. Well, I would suggest that we follow the example of Paul in this first chapter of Ephesians and get down to the business of prayer. This is the spiritual practice that has been given to us, conversation with this God of abundant resources. Prayer is the gift we have to help us to pray for that illumination so we would know what God has given us, so that we would know him better. You know, the anxieties of our daily troubles can blind us to what it means to know Jesus Christ, to know God and the abundant resources he's provided for us. But the spiritual practice of prayer is a gift to us. It isn't last resort, my friends. It is first place. I was reminded recently by one of the members of our leadership prayer team that prayer is always work. And that's true. It's not some fluffy, easy Um, reciting of something. It is the work of prayer. It is the constant spiritual attention to God. But when we engage in this spiritual practice, we are able to see that God has provided for us all we need to live fully into the life he calls us to. He will give us, help us develop spiritual eyesight to see things we hadn't seen, spiritual muscle to do what we could never do, and then the spiritual resources to accomplish what he calls us to live into. The spiritual practice of prayer breaks through this mindset of scarcity and helps us to walk into that bank vault aware that these resources are ours in Jesus Christ to access them, to live into them, to celebrate what we've been given in God. I pray for you and for myself 
that we would develop the spiritual hunger to know God better and that we would access and know all that God has provided for us to live as his followers. Do you long for that kind of abundance? Do you want to move past this sense of there isn't enough? I don't have what it takes. There's a scarcity to what God has available to me. Then let's begin praying. Let's pray, even using these words in Ephesians 1, that God would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know him better. And that God would help the eyes of our hearts to be enlightened to everything he's given us in Christ. Abundant hope, abundant value, abundant power. I pray this would be true for you, for me, for the church. I was struck this week by a poem that was written by William Blake, a 19th century English poet. And I think it's a fitting way for us to end this message together. It captures the longings to know God, to know the abundance of our life in him. He titled this poem Pentecost. And I pray that as I read this prayer, our own hearts, our own prayers would catch the fire of the Holy Spirit so that we would know all God has for us in Christ. So hear this poem, this prayer. Unless the eye catch fire, the God will not be seen. Unless the ear catch fire, the God will not be heard. Unless the tongue catch fire, the God will not be named. Unless the heart catch fire, the God will not be loved. Unless the mind catch fire, the God will not be known. Pray with me as we pray for this fire to capture and inform all of our being. Let's pray together. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, light your fire in us. Bring light to our eyes, light awareness to our ears, empowerment to our tongues, move our hearts and our minds to become aware of all that we have in Jesus Christ. You have given us abundant resources. And we thank you that they're available to us now because of Jesus Christ. We thank you, God. Empower your church. Empower each one of us to live and serve and love through the resources available to us now. Thank you for this abundance. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.